Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ with our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today.
Let us pray. On the edge of war, one foot already in, I no longer pray for peace. I pray for miracles. I pray that stone hearts will turn to tenderheartedness and evil intentions will turn to mercifulness. And all the soldiers already deployed will be snatched out of harm's way and the whole world will be astounded onto its knees. I pray that the whole world might sit together and share its bread and its wine. Some say there is no hope, but then I've always applauded the holy fools who never seem to give up on the scandalousness of our faith, that we are loved by God, that we can truly love one another. I no longer pray for peace. I pray for miracles. Amen. Let us rise and stand and sing together.
We've been studying St. Paul, and one of the things he says in the letter to the Romans is this, I do the thing I don't want to do, and the thing I want to do, I don't. Lord, have mercy. So as we look within ourselves and as we look at the world around us, it is clear we need God. So I invite you to pray with me the prayer of admission before you. Your part is in bold. Have mercy on us, O God, according to your steadfast love and abundant mercy. Forgive us of our transgressions. Wash us from the filth of our sin. Lord, you desire truth, but we can be so deceitful and manipulative You ask for a beloved and selfless community, and we respond with cliques and arguing factions. Teach us your holy wisdom. Guide us in the ways of Jesus. Restore in us the joy of your salvation and sustain in us a resilient spirit. God showers us with forgiveness. May we believe it. May we receive it. May we live it. Amen. This time I invite the Sprinkle family forward for Dylan's baptism. Friends, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And it is a day to rejoice because we get to baptize another one of God's own. Dylan Emerson Sprinkle is here today. Stephen and Sarah Sprinkle present their daughter, Dylan Emerson Sprinkle, to receive the sacrament of baptism. Today, we proclaim boldly that Dylan is a recipient of the covenant of grace. In baptism, God claims her as God's own, welcoming her into this family of faith and as a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. We are encouraged because in no stage of life are we ever truly separated from Christ and the bonds that we have with one another. Dylan. 
May you always remember that you are not alone. Your parents, your church family, and Christ are with you always. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as he delivered to his disciples after his resurrection. He said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And teach them to obey everything I have commanded to you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. It is by water and the Holy Spirit that we are made members of the church, which is the body of Christ. And we are joined in Christ's ministry of love and of peace and of justice in a world that so desperately needs it. Let us remember with joy our own baptism as we celebrate this sacrament. So I've got a few questions before we baptize Dylan. To Stephen and Sarah, having heard these questions, or having heard these words, I ask, do you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith, to embody hearts of service and love, and teach that faith to Dylan? Now to the congregation. Do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide, support, and nurture Dylan? Through words and actions, with love and with prayer, will you encourage her to know and follow Christ and empower her to be a faithful member of the church? If so, say, we do. Let us pray. God, we know that this life is not always easy. To follow your son, to follow Christ, is to die alongside him. But to follow Christ is also to be resurrected with him. When the world seems hard to Dylan, when the church, when her parents, when her friends and family mess up, we give thanks that you, O Lord, do not. We give thanks that your presence will not leave her, nor will it leave us. We thank you for this water of baptism. Let it seal your child and welcome her into your kingdom of undeserved love, radical grace, and abundant life. Amen. Dylan Emerson Sprinkle, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Lord, uphold Dylan by your Holy Spirit. Give her the spirit of goodness as she faces the issues of this world. The spirit of love towards all the friends and strangers that you will encounter. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. And the spirit of joy knowing that she is your image bearer. Called to shed her uniquely beautiful light unto your world. Amen. Friends, this is the greatest news. Dylan has been received into the one holy Catholic church through baptism. God has made her a member of the household of God to share with us as the priesthood of all believers. So we're finishing up our three-part sermon series on words this week uh, with 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. You can follow along in your program. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people but rather as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you are still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not of the flesh 
and behaving according to human inclinations. For when one says, I belong to Paul, and the other, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos, watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have a common purpose, and each will receive wages according to the labor of each. For we are God's servants, working together. You are God's field, God's building. The word of God to us, the people of God, thanks be to God. The title of today's sermon is Merely Human. So the year was 50, and the church in Corinth was a small fish in a big pond, surrounded by the Roman cult, worshipers of Greek gods and the Jewish God-fearers. Only a few decades had passed since a Jew from Galilee was crucified by the Roman Empire and started a movement that began with an empty tomb. And if you attended this small church in Corinth, you had a few choices when you walked in the front door for worship. The building was small, just a little house tucked away from the bustling port city of Corinth. And in the front room was a little welcome table to get a name tag. But on these name tags, it wouldn't be your name. Rather, the name of the leader whom you choose to follow reading either Peter, Paul, or Apollos. Words that define groups and words that divide communities. And these groups, well, they didn't quite get along. They would act cordial enough during communion, passing the plate with a smile. But the leadership meetings or the session gatherings, they got nasty. The church potluck dinners were filled with side-eye, passive aggressiveness, and judgment. Hints of self-righteousness were sprinkled all over the casseroles and cookies. (laughs) And as soon as these groups were by themselves inside their self-created echo chambers, they would rile each other up, reminding their own of just how right they are. Sitting in circles around tables, sipping their coffee, they would chat about just how much they adore their charismatic leader and how much better he is than the others. I mean, I just love Paul's preaching style. Apollos is quite handsome. I appreciate how Peter stays away from bashing Caesar and always has such happy messages. Don't you feel like you could just grab a beer with Paul? Jesus said Peter was the rock, so obviously he's the most important. Words that divided a church. At the beginning of Mark, Jesus reminds us that he did not come for the healthy, but he came for the sick. And this church to whom Paul is writing is sick. Sick with a disease that infiltrates communities. Sick with a disease that Rabbi Jonathan Sachs describes as groupishness. 
And a great deal has changed in the nearly 2,000 years since Paul wrote this letter to Corinth. The once bustling port city of Corinth now lays in ruin. The once small group of Christians, only 2,000 in the world, is well over 2 billion. And of all the changes in the world, it's obvious that groupishness still remains. We love our groups. And we love to define our groups with slogans, with definitions, with leaders, and ultimately with words. I want to be clear that the simple act of creating a group and building intimate community is not what I mean by groupish. Ministry is a constant reminder that groups are necessary. I mean, Jesus had his group of buddies, his posse, who followed him almost all the way to the cross. Paul, in this very letter, is working to foster a group of people in Corinth who are willing to follow the path of Christ. I mean, we gather because we are lonely. We join a group because we want to belong. Maybe you find it in a home group here at the church, in a running group that meets way before I think about getting up, in online forums, in professional organizations, and more. Groups can be arenas of care, of vulnerability, of laughter, and of faith. Groupishness, however, comes when our tendency to sin, to hate, to belittle, infiltrates our desire to gather. So maybe it's not our groups or our words that form the groups that are the issue. It's when we let the identity we gain from a group outweigh our identity as humans created in God's image. When we value the prosperity of the group over the community of the greater kingdom, when our love for who is similar breeds a hostility for who is different. The sermon comes at the end of our three-part series on words because so often we use words to create both formal and informal groupish groups. I mean, all the time we use words to try to sum up all that we ever need to know about someone based on one characteristic. Oh, he's divorced. They're just private school moms. They live in this part of town. Their family supports that candidate. She works for this company. He likes Apollos. She likes Paul. And Paul dives right into this chaotic shouting spree, posing the question, are we not all merely human? Do we not all wake up in the morning with similar anxieties about growing old? Do we not all want the best for our families, for our children? Do we not all want to live in a safe world? Are we not all made in God's image? Do we not all inhabit this wondrous planet? Are we not all loved by Jesus Christ, our Savior? If we let our arguments occupy all of our time, we might forget exactly what Jesus told us to do. He said it clear as day, love God and love your neighbors. 
It's that time as we approach Lent to ask ourselves, what if we took these words from Jesus seriously? Rather than work so hard at loving our group, we try to love each other. One of my favorite authors, Barbara Brown Taylor, writes that when my religion or my group tries to get in between me and my neighbor, I will choose my neighbor. Jesus never asked me to love my religion. Let that one sink in for a second. Paul is writing, get over your groups. Because what Christ did was form a group that we all fit inside. Christianity at its best is not some kind of walled fortress or castle where only certain people are allowed in. But rather, Christianity is an ever-expanding circle of care where we see people in our pain, love people in our sin, and gather in our differences. And y'all know that's no easy feat. Paul joins the cloud of preachers and leaders who share the demanding job of leading and caring for a church that doesn't always live in harmony. What was it the prophet Isaiah said about wolves lying down with lambs? How can we get wolves to lay down with lambs when we can't even get Peter to shake hands with Apollos? And what I admire about Paul is the nuance in his letter here. He could have talked trash about Apollos or Peter. He could have been motivated by insecurity. He could have lashed out at anyone who disagrees with him, but rather he leads. He points the church's eyes beyond any charismatic leader to the crucified Jesus. He does the most pastoral thing and he sees the deep wounds of the people and we have them. And he knows that they just wanna be along. They just wanna be a part of something. Don't we all? And he points them to a group centered in Jesus. And at the same time, he challenges any group whose mission it is to simply assert dominance or belittle its competition. He challenges any group who puts division above community, who values conformity over curiosity and places its human leader above the greatest and lowest among us, Jesus the Christ. For hundreds of years, many indigenous Americans lived agrarian lives, living off what they could grow from the land. And in some of these communities, they primarily grew corn, beans, and squash. And these three gifts of the earth became known as the Three Sisters. Robin Wall Kimmerer talks about how they would plant these crops and clumps together, one seed of each, and all three plants would grow up as one. And when colonizers from Europe first came to America, they were confused by this method. They saw it as barbaric to plant different crops so close together. They were conditioned to separating their fields by crops and having long, strung out rows of the same crop, dividing the crops by the label of the seed planted. 
But what they didn't realize is that the three sisters thrived together, not separately. See, the corn would sprout first, growing strong and tall, reaching for the sky. And then the vine of beans would climb its way up the stalk like a child going up a jungle gym, relying on the structure and strength of the corn. And lastly, the squash would pop out and sprout large leaves horizontally, shading the soil around the base, preventing any weeds from growing. The chaotic, messy growth of these three plants together yielded more than a uniform row of cash crops. And when eaten together, these three plants can sustain a people. Those three plants are depicted on the front of your program. And to me, this is the dream of downtown church. This is the dream of the church in Corinth, the goal of Christ's church, where words and labels do not keep us separated where groups do not engage in arguments just for the sake of arguing, where the diversity of our gifts is lifted up and brought forward, where the many ways we are broken are seen, and where we do not worship any person, idea, or leader, but choose to follow the crucified Christ into the frailty of this world into the struggling father navigating his way through lawyers and loneliness, in the chemo patient holding on to hope found in the comfort of a warm blanket, in the refugee hearing artillery fire tear apart their home. It is not our words of division, but in our messy actions of unity, there, is where we find the crucified Christ. May we choose to follow him. Thanks be to God. Amen. Twenty more I'll be 
Friends, this is the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. We remind you every month that this is not our table, this is not the Presbyterian Church's table, but this is the table of God's. All are welcome. All are welcome. Come and see that the Lord is good. I invite you now to join me in the prayer of great thanksgiving as found in your program. The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. O Heavenly Father, it is right to give you thanks and praise. In a world of violence, speak to us the hope of a miraculous peace. God, we give you thanks that your Son came to the earth to love, to teach, and to save us, a sinful people. For your grace, for your mercy, for you, God, we give you thanks. God, today we especially pray for the people in this world who know war too well. We pray for the dead and we pray for the living. We pray that this table that you sat at might be a new model for us to live in community, eating together. God, we praise you joining our voices with the choirs of angels and with all the faithful of every time and place who forever sing to the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna, Join our voices now, God, saying the prayer that your Son, Jesus the Christ, taught us together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So on the night when our Lord Jesus Christ would be betrayed, he gathered his friends together for a meal. And after giving thanks, he, he took bread, just ordinary bread, and he broke it. <laughs> and he said, this is my body, and it is broken for you, for all of you. Whenever you eat this, remember me. It's more accurate, right? Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't pre-scored. In the same way, Jesus took the cup on the common table where they were having dinner, and he took 
some wine and he blessed it and he poured it out. Then he said these strange words. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is sealed in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Take, drink, don't forget. Scripture says as often as we eat this bread and we drink from this cup, we proclaim Christ's saving grace. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Amen. I invite the elders to come forward to serve communion. Please pray with me. God, you lead us in pastures of green and sunshine and smiles and through the darkest valley when we are consumed by our fear. You lead us and you remind us that our whole lives are already in your hands. And you will keep up, keep picking our feet up as we place them down. You will lead us forward. So we give you thanks, O oh Lord, for these good gifts, and we follow you. Amen. Friends, the good news is that we don't follow Paul. 
We don't follow Peter. We don't follow Apollos. We follow Jesus. May we do that. Go out into the world and love God and love people. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds until we meet again. Friends, go in peace. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.